0: Welcome to the July 23rd sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Isaiah chapter 57, verses 14 through 16. And the sermon is entitled, Prepare the Way, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Give you a heads up, Isaiah chapter number 57, Isaiah 57. Start making your way there in your Bibles, if you will. And I'm grateful uh, for last week, Pastor Nathan... Uh, preaching, I think he' done a tremendous job, and I'm grateful for him. But uh, on the heels of that, we wrapped up our, our series on worship and the importance of it. And for the next couple of weeks, we just want to focus on revival and the importance of revival and what that means. I, I, I want to segue with this. There's a lot of times that we show up to revival, expecting what the preacher says to revive us and then go from there. And so what I want to encourage the church and what I want to encourage every believer here in this room is that you know that revival is two Sundays away. Start praying for God to work now. Don't show up on revival Sunday saying, God, all right, you've got to do something today because I'm dry and I'm dead and I need your help. Use that pastor on Sunday morning or Sunday night or through the week to to waken this dead heart you're at a disadvantage. Why not make that our prayer now? God, wake up this old dead heart a couple weeks early so when God's Word comes, it will land on prepared soil. And then God, then you can work from there. So today and next week, these are messages just to plow the ground in preparation for what God will do with each one of us if we submit our lives to him and if we truly pray for and seek revival. I'm grateful that through God, he is the one that can bring it. He is the one that forgives. He is the one that sends his spirit to lead. And he is the one that calls us to look at our relationship with him. And through that, we can pray for God to move and God to work in our life. We look in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament at a great prophet of God. Isaiah, many of you know him, and you probably know Isaiah chapter 6, as he made the proclamation to God, Here am I, send me. Y'all remember that, right? Sometimes in our Bible studies, we like to circle that, and and we want God to make us Isaiah. Well, Isaiah was a man of God, and here's what I want to warn you. Before you use those little words about uh, Isaiah sending you, you got to realize where Isaiah was sent. Isaiah was sent to a prophet, to a people that had turned their backs on God. So be careful where you ask God to send or what you pray for. Because as Isaiah throws his life on the line, he said, here I am, God, send me. God said, okay, I will. I will send you. And here's what he says. Here's the commissioning of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 9. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsakening in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall be returned, and shall be eaten as a, as a teal tree and an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. I know I want to translate that real, real quick for you. Here's what God says. Isaiah, I'm going to send you. But I'm going to send you to a group of people whose hearts are fat and whose ears are heavy and who have shut their eyes to the work of God in their life. That is who you're going to prophesy to. And you're going to stay there as long as I need you until I wipe that land clear. Friends, that's not somewhere I would sign up to go. I'm going to be honest with you. But when you open your life up to God, there's no telling what he will do. When you think about the man in Isaiah going to a people and proclaiming to them that God still loves them. And yet their hearts are closed and their ears are closed and their mouths are closed to what God wants to do. That's not very good preaching right there. I've got people that will at least smile and shake their head every now and then. But for people not to want God, and that's where God sends him. And he sends him with the message that your land is going to be destroyed because you are hard-hearted. Judgment is coming. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are about judgment. Chapters 40 through 66 is about, hey, guess what? God is going to restore you. As we think about God's Word, I want to start with three verses is all we're going to look at today. Verse number 14. Isaiah 57, verse number 14. Here's what the Word of God says. And shall say, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block of the way of my people. Now I picked that up in mid-sentence. But here's what I want you to know. Isaiah has a message, and God has a message for the people of Judah, beginning in chapter number 56 and in 57. Actually, if you go back to 55, there's some very familiar words there as well. But through these chapters, God is telling his people, if you will just believe and you will turn back to me and you will give me your hearts, I can restore you. I can restore your land, and and even they haven't even been to exile yet. But he's already telling them, I will bring you back. So listen, Isaiah is preaching to a group of people that are going to go into exile that are not not there yet. Their cities are going to be destroyed. And here's God's promise. After you go through all of that, I'm going to bring you back. But here is the message of Isaiah. Starting in verse number 14. Pick up, pick up, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way. Point number one today about preparing for a revival I want to give you is simply this. Preparation is needed. Preparation is needed. When you think of a people that have lost their land and that have turned away from their God and their land has been destroyed and it's in rubble, there needs to be some things that take place. Preparations need to be made. We don't have to look through all of it this morning, and I know what time it is. I don't have time this morning to go into all of it. But in chapter number 56, these are some of the commands that Isaiah uses. Turn back to God, or trust in God, as God is getting ready to receive them. Salvation and righteousness are near. But he also tells them there that the Sabbath Must be restored. God's day was important to God. But it wasn't important to the people. And so God is saying. My day needs to be restored. That you need to serve the Lord. And take hold of the promises of God. And then in in chapter number 57. You see idols and sin abound. And here's what God says. I cannot ignore the sin that is in the camp. I cannot ignore that. I can't turn a blind eye to it. In verse number 3, he uses uh, the words sorcerers and adulterers and prostitutes to refer to these people that have turned their back on God. But how many are willing to prepare? That is the question. And somebody needs to sound the call. And it was Isaiah. Pick it up. Cast ye up. Cast ye up, prepare the way. Somebody has to ring the bell. I'm grateful growing up in a small Methodist church. One of the things that we did every Sunday is this there was a bell out at the front of the foyer, and we took turns as little kids hanging from that bell, ringing the bell. But that bell signified the start of the worship of God. For years, Judah had left their God, had turned their back, walked away, served other gods, worshipped other idols, chose to live in widespread sin, and yet they still wanted the blessing of God. And God says, no, you've got to prepare the way. Revival, listen to me, is not something that we can orchestrate. Do I get amen? It's the same week every year at Clifford Baptist Church, and we can put it on the calendar. We can circle it. We can plan for it. We can write it down. We can make plans. But here's what I want you to know I have nothing. I have nothing in my own accord that will bring revival. God's got to do the work. And until the people of God plow their ground and prepare and are ready to move toward God, God cannot work. We're going to see that at the very end. The call is to prepare the way, to get ready, because God is going to restore you one day, and you need to be ready for that. Is there anybody in this room that wants revival? I do. My heart longs for it. But it's more than just an emotion or a feeling. It's when God truly moves. And that's what I want for the people of God here at Clifford Baptist Church. Our eyes must be on Him. Our hearts must be willing to turn and to be cleaned up. And there is work to be done on our end. We need to purposely seek God the next two weeks. Do you hear me? In prayer, and Bible study, we need to seek after what God has in store, desiring His will. That's all I want. I want God to move, but we must prepare the way. What is it? What is it? Maybe you're the one that has to proclaim it to your family and make sure they're here. Maybe you're the one that has to proclaim it to our community and make sure they know. But we must prepare the way. Preparation is key for revival. Point number two. Look at verse 14 again. And shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block, Out of the way of my people. Point number two. There's usually something in the way. When revival doesn't happen, there's usually something that hinders that. The call here in scripture is the call to clear the road or clear the path of return for God to work and for God to move for the people to come back. To get the stumbling block out of the way. Here's the picture I want in your mind. It is of a city that has been destroyed by the the invaders. And as the remnant re-enters the city, they must pick up the pieces. They must move the blocks, the rubble out of the way. That way that they can claim their city and claim it for God. When I think about Judah... It's so easy to look at Israel in the Old Testament and look at Judah in the Old Testament and say, they are hard-headed people. You know what the hard thing to do? Is look in the mirror and say, that is one hard-headed person right there. That person is not obeying what God wants for their life. That person is running from God. That person is hiding from God. That is hard to do. And when we think of something being in the way, What we're talking about is physical destruction, but what does that look like in your life? Whose job is it to clear the way? It wasn't Isaiah's job, Isaiah just had to sound the alarm. It wasn't God's job, God was just making known what needed to be cleared. It was the people of God in order to get back in the city. They were going to have to clear the way. They were going to have to remove the rubble and debris one day. As their city would be destroyed. Friends. What needs to be removed in your life? What stumbling block is in the way? Is preventing God from getting to the deepest parts of your heart? It's not my job to preach hard enough that you change. It's the Holy Spirit's work and your work to get rid of those things and clear that way for God to move. I want you to know that if we truly desire to get back to the place where God has us, we will do whatever it takes. Listen to me. Whatever it takes. A couple hundred, 150 years after Isaiah would prophesy this They would be destroyed. They would be looking to return. And somebody would have to move the stumbling blocks. Do you think the enemy would? Nah. Do you think the people that destroyed the city would help clear the roads? No. Isaiah sounds the call. Clear the streets. Move the stumbling block because God is ready to work. There are stumbling blocks that must be moved. Roads that are cleaned in our own lives. Here is the word that I want you to know. It is called meek shoal. It is a roadblock or stumbling block. But it is a hindrance. Listen to me. A hindrance or an offense. In the book of Revelation chapter number 2. The church at Pergamos had a stumbling block because they were teaching the false doctrine. To the Corinthians Paul says this. Christ is a stumbling block to the Jews. He is a hindrance. He is an offense. We are warned in 1 Corinthians and in Romans chapter number 14, not to lay stumbling blocks to those who are weak or our brothers and sisters so that they may fall. But this morning, here's my question for you. What is in your way? You may be saying, Pastor Jeffrey, I'm working on it. Well, I can't put a, put a sign outside your life that says, under construction. Many of you will probably see that in my life, okay? Working on it's good. But clearing the way and making ready for God is the desired effect. Today, there should be some things that maybe that have you in, in bondage and in slavery to sin. That's not God's desire For your life. Here is the call. Take it up. And clear the way. Move it out the way. So Jesus can do the work in your life. Point number three. Look at verse number 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one. That inhabited eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also. That is of contrite and of humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Point number three in preparing the way, revival is a simple dependence upon the Lord. Revival is a dependence upon the Lord. As I read these verses, honestly, here are the words that stick out in my mind in verse number 15. I see the word high and lofty one. I see the word eternity. And I see the word holy. And they are words that grab my attention. Because as I see those, I see the loftiness of God and the eternity of God. And how God is set up on His throne. I'm thankful for that. But also, when I think of the eternality of God, that He will last forever. These people, their lives would not go on forever. And here's 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 a newsflash: our lives aren't going to last forever either here on this earth. But what in the world do these words speak of the loftiness and the desire of God? Here's God's desire. God's desire is not to stay in the lofty place, to to look out over his creation and observe from afar and not be a part of what's going on. But God desires to be with his people. Look at that verse number 15 again. I want you to underline two words when I get to it. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. That's what God says. But look at the next two words with Him. Do you see those words? Underline those words because here's what God said with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. A spirit that is crushed, a spirit that is torn apart. A spirit that desires something greater than is happening. This week, four funerals that I've, that I've had, had parts in. There are some crushed families within our church and within our community. There are some hurting people. And so many times when you just have to look around, there are people that are dealing with hurts and sickness all around us. Here is what God says. I don't don't desire to be up and lofty and away from my people. I desire to inhabit the heart of the people that love me. That are crushed. That are torn. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and such that has a contrite spirit. Friends, there are some people that are around us that are simply trying to pick up the pieces of their life. And that's where God wants to be. Amidst the rubble of our lives, don't think you have to have it all together before you seek revival or seek after God. Because in verse number 15, he says, I want those hearts. And the end of it says this, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. One. Today, our scripture gives us the picture of people clearing the streets of debris to prepare one day to re-enter into that city. But here's what God really says through this scripture. It's more about than just picking up the pieces out of the street. It's about picking up the pieces of your life and turning them over to God. God. And allowing him to work in the broken situations. And allowing him to put the pieces back together. And heal those broken situations. Today there may be a broken situation in this room that you're struggling with. Here's what I want you to tell you. God wants to revive and give life to that which was dead. Do we just prepare the way by clearing the streets? No. We've got to prepare our hearts. We've got to look at our own lives. And the pieces that we've been trying to make sure they fit somewhere. Or put them back together. We've got to just give them over to God. And trust Him to give life again. Spiritually. Today. There may be somebody in this room that is feeling spiritually crushed. God's desire it's to live in your heart, to be with you. One more point from verse number 16. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always raw. For the Spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have, which I have made. I want you to underline those words that begin that verse. For I will not contend forever. When we talk about preparing the way, point number four is this. It will not last forever. It will not last forever. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Jeffrey? Here's what I mean. God the Father tells the people through a prophet, I'm not going to fight with you forever. I'm not going to sit here and argue and fight with you and command you to do these things and you just turn your back and turn your back and turn your back. I'm not going to fight with you forever. I'm not going to contend forever God has made a plan through Isaiah that there's a line that his people can cross and he's going to let them cross it if if they so choose if you don't want me to be a part of your life that's fine but there is the warning I will not contend forever in the beginning of your Bible Genesis chapter number six the Lord says almost the same thing as the world is going wicked and He is preparing to flood the, flood the earth. Listen to this. The Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. I've warned you. I've warned you. I've warned you. And the lines in the sand, I will destroy. And He followed that up with the flood that destroyed the earth. What does that mean? Although I would love revival to last year round, and I would love to be in the spirit of revival every day, I want you to know that's probably not reality for us. Could it be? Absolutely. The closest thing to an all-out revival, I personally, this is Jeffrey, is when you get to heaven. But until then, there's a lot of stuff that is going on and a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. And here's God's warning. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to force you. I will let you do what you need to do. If you choose to remain, if you choose to walk away, then that's your choice. You will suffer the consequences. Today, why do we need to be reminded that it won't last forever? Because I believe the Spirit of God on people's hearts won't last forever. This world is not going to last forever. And any moment, Christian, if you believe your Bible, any moment the Lord could return out of the sky. It's not going to last forever. And so what he's saying and what he's warning even to this day I'm not going to force you to follow. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight that. Jesus went to the cross. He died there for anyone that will choose to follow. But he's not going to twist arms. I've I've heard it put that he's the perfect gentleman. And I believe that he is. He's not going to kick down the door of your heart. You've got to let him in. It's amazing what happens if the people will just listen. If you go on in chapter number 57... Verses 18 and 19, he says, I've seen their ways, I will heal them, I will lead them, I will restore them. And I will bring peace and I will heal them. That's the promise if they will turn back to God. But it will not last forever. Today, when we talk about preparing for revival, what does that actually look like? Do you want revival in your life? Do you want revival in your home? Do you want revival in this church? Listen, friends, I can look at the world and say the world needs revival. That's just a great thought. That does nothing unless I pray for it and seek it and ask God to do something. I could desire it in my own life and in my own home, but it does nothing until I put the feet to those prayers and seek God's working in that. Today, how many of us choose to want revival? I'm not twisting your arm. I'm not going to make you do this. But if we are serious about revival at Clifford Baptist Church, we will pray for it. We will seek God for it. We will prepare our own hearts. We will prepare those that are around us and make sure that they are hearing this message. And today, maybe you need to do that at an altar. You and God just take care of business. You come and do that. Prepare the way. Maybe today there's something that stands in the way. Of God doing some work in your life. In your heart. In your family. Same thing. Bring it before the Lord in prayer. We love this verse of scripture. Let me say this. We love the end of this verse of scripture. If my people... Who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We look at our land and we say, Oh, we desire that. Well, Christians, listen. If we desire that, then we should desire the first part of the verse humbling ourselves and praying and seeking the face of God. And turning from our wicked ways so that God would hear us. Friends today. Church today. Is there somebody here that just says, hey, pastor, I'll join you. Starting today, for the next two weeks, I will join you to pray for revival. Not only for my life and my family, but for our church and for our community. And in our, in our invitation moment... I. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to put, if, if you don't sing a word, but you pray through that, that will be perfectly okay. If you come and you kneel at this altar and you start that, you start by praying for revival. Pray in your homes this week. Pray throughout the next two weeks that God would do something. But maybe there's somebody here today that needs the forgiveness of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that is offered to every person the gift of forgiveness of sin on an old wooden cross That was paid for every single person that will choose to follow. That will say yes. The work has already been, been done. But today, maybe the first revival that needs to take place is in your own heart. Allowing Jesus Christ in as Savior. Today, if that is you, I pray that you will be the first one here to talk to me when the first note is played today. I think God is going to do something through this revival. I'm praying for that for us. My prayer is, will you join me? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for this moment. As we come before you today, Lord, I desperately seek revival for your people here. Lord, I don't know what else can be done except for bowing and praying and asking. Lord, if you will allow a few hundred of us to just humble ourselves and pray and seek your face over the next couple of weeks, God. Maybe you will do something amazing and a work of revival in our church, in our home life, in our families, in our children, in our community. God, just this week I look at our community and my community, my heart breaks for my community. Lord, death is surrounding. Lord, the urgency to call, the urgency to clear the way, to make the way is real. God, I pray, Lord, that you will meet each heart in every situation like only you can. God, thank you for people who are obedient. God, I pray they are obedient to the Spirit of God this morning in this moment of invitation. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.